0: Hello, and we're off, and we're off.
1: <laughs> and we're back, <laughs> and we're back. Another episode in the books, almost.
0: Wasn't well, on the books yet. Yeah,
1: I was gonna say. I'm right when I said that. I regretted it.
0: And if it were in the books, you wouldn't know because, you
1: know that's right. It's a book. Because I'm not reading it.
2: Yeah. But, uh,
1: How's it going? I'm doing well. How are you, my my friend? I am. You know, little Gianna is starting to sleep through the night, and that's huge. That is amazing. One for the concussion symptoms, ask but that. to my sanity.
0: Yeah, I, you know, people sometimes will say to me, "You know how it is." And I'm like, "No, I don't." I mean, and I don't know how parents do it. So I'm one of those people where people will say, "You know, I get three or four hours of sleep," and I and I just think, I don't believe you, <laughs> because if I get less than seven, if I even get to seven. I'm already hurting. If it's less than seven, I don't even like talk to me.
1: Crushed you. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a learning curve. And honestly, it's been a lot of just stuff, but I, I have like guilt when I like at three in the morning, Jonna wakes up and there's really not much for me to do. Like, <laughs> I literally just kind of like wake up and then I feel bad going back to sleep, you know? So I'll just like yeah. sit there and try to talk to her, like clean the bottles. Um, but so she's been a rock star with it, but yeah, it's, uh, it's no joke. You get up multiple times. My dad, he'll make fun of me. Cause he thinks that we wake up at like nine or 10, but it's like, we've been up three times and finally got her to go back. You know, she got up to be fed at six and then we all go back to sleep. So you're waking up at nine or 10, but I'm like, dude, we we've been up consistently throughout the night. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, that's
0: kind of like my two assistant priests. <laughs> that's right. I'm like, Okay. I'm like, Father V told Father Sean, gonna be okay. That's right. You know, I pat him on the back and 3
2: a.m. and (laughs) burp him, burp him a little bit. (laughs) No.
1: You got a shout out for us?
2: I have one. I think you know.
0: Uh, So I do have a shout out, and I basically, it's just because of my still throbbing, guilty conscience. But my shout out goes to (laughs) (laughs) Christophanic because I unintentionally. Uh, kind of threw him under the bus in a homily, totally not intending to. Uh, but anyway, just want to shout him out anyways because he's a friend. And
1: I, that was one of the funniest things. You called me to let me know, and I just can't imagine on all fronts. Hit like where him in the pews, being like, "Wait, what?" And then you afterwards finding out and and not meaning any of it. That yeah. was that was just the best. And then like. The reconcile afterwards, and it just was like a classic. It was really fun as a spectator yeah. watching this play out. It, I really appreciate you letting me know because I thoroughly enjoyed the blunder that occurred.
0: <laughs> uh, I just felt like the biggest. the you know, you know the the um, where we get the word moron. Mm-hmm. It's a Greek word, uh, moros, and it means fool.
1: Really? Yeah, That's I felt funny. like the
0: biggest, the biggest moron. Yeah. But it was, it was unintentional and, and Chris knows that, but, uh, I accidentally, I was like mocking, like kind of those Christians who don't, it's like just pure, like there's no cross in Christianity. You don't need the cross. And I made up a hypothetical book title and it's one of his actual books.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I'm like, oh no. And I didn't even realize it till afterwards. And his, and Natalie, his wife told me, thank God.
1: Well, and, and I think it's funny cause <clears throat> Nine times out of ten, you would hit the home run. Chris is so powerful in what he does because he makes things he does like the hook line and sinker yeah. like for that that lands for the crowd, you know, the kind of tiptoeing into faith, and then he's going to use proper scripture in his books and like, yep, really kind of educate. but most books out there won't do that. very, very uh, chicken soup kind of feel
0: yeah, exactly and so
1: yeah, that was that was hysterical i I just, I want you both to know that I thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: I am sure you did. So I told Chris, I said like, you know, I actually think him and I tend to see things very, very similarly. And I think he has that art. I'm not going to build him up too much. You know, I love you, Chris, but he, uh, he's very good at meeting people where they're at. Totally. But also like he's, you know, he's the real deal. He's, he knows the, the fullness of the faith. So yeah,
1: that's my shout out this week. What about you? I've got, um, Melissa and David Carl. Steph's going on, her like like that's. I think it's kind of officially a, um, Gianna's first mock date. Um, Steph's going on a walk today with Melissa, and they are just they're so rad. I really enjoyed getting to know them Um, and their little son William. He's a little stud. I I met them at uh, the Doctor Sachs event, and so, um, yeah. That's my, uh, I, th- I believe they listen to the podcast. So yeah, that's my my first,
0: out. my first day was at like three months as well.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: How old is Gigi
1: now? Dude, ugh, eight weeks.
0: Eight weeks. Two months.
1: That's right. It's getting crazy. Like she's actually, it was kind of funny. Like three weeks ago, she would just swim in her like outfit. She was so small. And now I'm like, oh no, she's, she's getting big. She has like a double chin. It's awesome. She's the best. We've
0: got a lot in common.
1: That's right. We've got a lot in
0: common. <laughs> Me right. and Gianna. So good stuff. Yeah. Well, the Carl's, God bless them. They, I saw them in mass on Sunday and uh, they're a great couple.
1: Yeah. They're awesome. Yeah. Go D-U. Go DU. Go DU. DU hockey. I don't know anything about hockey, but um, I thoroughly enjoy watching it. I just don't know what I'm watching. Yeah. So.
0: Well, today, folks, we're going to talk a little bit. This uh, episode is inspired by uh, one of our RCIA folks. From last year, Alicia. Oh, who nice. uh, She's a, a wonderful young woman. She came into the church, but she has told me that she's struggling a little bit understanding saints. And so today we want to talk a little bit about the communion of saints.
2: Hmm.
1: I love the topic. I think when I hear that, the communion of saints, I know we say that in prayer. Yep. I don't quite know what that means. Like it we're going
0: to get, you're in, you're in love. Yeah,
1: like this, why this is, you know, this, what's so funny about the podcast is I genuinely have a lot of the same questions, like yeah. entry level, still questions despite working here and, and trying to learn from you, but it's, there's so much to learn. I mean, you have 2,000 years of things to learn. It's a totally. lot.
0: Well, one of the things I was going to say is that I, uh, so some priests are like walking, and some Catholics are walking encyclopedias of the saints. Yeah. I'm not you know I'm they're like, well, don't you know that, you know, uh, Saint Hildegard von Bingen said this at this point, and I'm like,
1: "No. <laughs> See, I can't imagine that. I, I remember at Gianna's baptism, dude, you went on for like fifteen minutes naming saints. You know oh, a lot of saints.:
0: <laughs> Well, I just think chronologically we have the litany we have the litany of saints. <laughs> yeah, and so in the litany of Saints, you know where we say, we just march, and litany just means list. And you walk through and after every saint, you say, pray for us. <laughs> yeah. I get a little stressed at baptisms doing that. I, I would just, imagine. I just think I just start kind of from the beginning. It's like, okay, Holy Mary, mother of God.
1: Pray for us. Yeah. That's right.
0: And then you go down the list <laughs> and I'm like trying to think chronologically.
1: I remember, because I, you also start and you, I believe at the beginning you say, you know, and if you can chime in and, and name a saint, if you know, yeah, exactly. like you name yours. And I remember I was like, so excited to say St. George. And like, you, you kept going. And I'd be like... Yeah. And then, like, finally, the like quiet sound. I'm like Saint George. That's awesome. And I didn't get Saint George in there. No. Oh, that's uh-uh. that's actually
0: good because yeah, because I would have thought that I would have. But.
1: I wanted also. This is so random. I was with Chris stefanik and we were. He was telling me about the saint. Um, it's actually been really cool. I got. I, I joke right now, but I'm buying all these books for Gianna and learning about yep. the faith in a mm-hmm. very elementary way. But I'm actually learning a lot. And there was a saint in there that was like, gosh, I'm going to so butcher this and I'm going to get in trouble for it. She was like the Pocahontas saint. Like she- Oh, Saint
0: Kateri Tikawitha. That
1: that one. And I was like, I wanted to say her because the night before we had talked about it and I thought she was so rad. Her story was incredible. But I still don't even know her name after you just said it. Like that thing's intense. (laughs) It's hard,
0: yeah. (laughs) Try being the priest and everyone expects you to know how to pronounce everything. Even some of the names in scripture. My Hebrew is terrible. And so I don't even actually know how they're pronounced. But basically, if you just do it with confidence, totally. no one really knows except for Dr. Gieschak, who's at the back and he speaks Hebrew perfectly. <laughs> yeah. So I just, I just let him judge me in his heart.
1: I love it. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So saints, it's a great question. And, and the communion of, where do you want to start with that?
0: So I want to talk about a saint, uh, blessed. So a saint... A good start here is if you're a Protestant out there or if you have Protestant friends, in the New Testament, St. Paul refers to the saints as living Christians. So the, the word saint, so in Greek, it's hagios, or hagioi if it's plural. Um, that word, the holy ones, is what it means. So in, oh. in Greek, it's hagios. In Latin, it's sanctus, which is where it eventually winds its way into our um, English kind of word of saint. And all it means is it's a holy thing or a holy person when it's personified. Okay. So it's the same word for holy, set apart. And what Paul wants to say in the New Testament is that all of us are saints because we've been, we're holy, we're set apart. We're different from the world. Because we've we're been, Christian. Yeah, we've been separated. You know, yeah. you hear me talk about all the time, like to be a Christian means you have to leave something behind. Yeah. In the Exodus story, the Jews had to leave Egypt behind to follow God. Right. To be a Christian means the same thing. You have to leave behind the world and your former life. And that, and to, the word holy, and the Hebrew word is kadosh, uh, the word holy means separated. And so when God says, you will be holy as I am holy, it means you're different. It means that you're not like everybody else. You are set apart for something sacred, something different, uh, and something that's related to God, not just anything, but, but the things of God. So, so, so a couple of good, important nuances to this. So, the word "saint" in the New Testament just means the. And so, if you read your New Testament, Paul will oftentimes say to the saints or to the holy ones at Ephesus, to to the saints in Rome, and he's talking not about you know the dead saints buried in Rome, he's talking about the Christian community. So that's important, and it's important for Catholics to realize this. Later on, what happened was, and we're going to get to this today, is that uh, the church wanted to hold up examples of people who love God so much that they help us, yeah, and they inspire us to say this really is real, right? And of course, Jesus is the center of everything, but all of us know if you if you like if you have a group of friends and none of them are Christians. That's it's harder to live the Christian life.
1: Story of my life. Story of my life.
0: <laughs> like, well, I gotta get some better friends besides FB. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Hang out with Father Sean and Father V Told. They'll help you. And there we go. But on a certain level like that, when there's people close to your own time or all through history that you relate to, and they're not just like historical facts. It's not just like, oh, you know, Julius Caesar, you know, he he became the Caesar and he was, you know, murdered and uh, et tu, Brute, and all that, but actually, like, wow, what did you just say?
1: Et tu, Brute?
0: Et tu, Brute? <laughs> from that? from that's from. Come on, we got to get you. We we need to go to classical school. That's from uh, Shakespeare's play Julius Caesar, and when Brutus, his friend, is one of the people who kills him, mm. Caesar looks at him and says, "You too." That's Brutus, right. At two, Bruté.
1: That's right. I was supposed to read that, then I went to football practice. Got it. Okay, cool. Got it. Amen. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) So, so anyway, so the Saints, though, if if our friends can help us, why can't the 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 great greatest examples of Christian holiness, who we can have great confidence, right? People are always on Catholics about you guys just walking around scared of mortal sin and you're all scared of going to hell all the time, which I think is a valid critique. Actually, I think a lot of us need to have a greater confidence. But if the greatest people we can think of who led these amazing heroic lives, if our friends can help us in our Christian life, why can't we relate to those who are more alive than we are now or with, who are united to God in heaven, right? We did the podcast on their bodies are not there. Cause it's not, that was the last podcast. Right. So, so anyway, I want to start though. And I want to tell everybody about a blessed. So in the church, what we do is like when someone's declared a blessed, what it means is, and I'm going to get some of the steps wrong here, but what happens is when, when the church wants to elevate someone to becoming a saint, the reason they want to do that is it helps us, right? I know that Jesus is the center of all things. All of us do as Christians, at least, but you know what? Archbishop Shapu, who's still alive, uh, Archbishop Chapu, helped me to become the man I am today. And it doesn't take away from Jesus but Archbishop Shapu helped me because I knew him personally and he was this great model of what a Christian should be in my life. Um, And so when the church elevates, when when it's moving someone towards becoming canonized, being made a saint, what they're doing is they're trying to say, Hey, all of us need encouragement. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's people we can look to. It looks sometimes like, Hey, you know, it's kind of like in like popular culture, people will say, well, you know what? Everyone's having sex all the time before they're married. Yeah. All the time. And you're like, it's harder to be chased because you're like, everybody else is doing it. Right. Why do I have to be different? And the world tells us no one's holy. It's all made up. It's, the, the last person who was holy was in, you know, negative 18 BC or something. <laughs> and the saints, they, they, they encourage us. And even aside from their actual prayers in heaven and their, their communion with us, which we'll get to today, just their example is like, oh, wait, no. It's not true that everybody is living immoral lives. There are great examples. And so on the way, as when someone's canonized a saint, it means that their life was so significant that this is meant for the entire church across the entire world to be edified by. A blessed, we believe that person's in heaven. We've wow. looked at their life. They lived, they lived a life of heroic faith, hope, and love. Um, we've gone through their life with a fine-tooth comb. And then there's a miracle that's happened after they die.
1: That's what I was going to ask you. Okay. Yeah.
0: And with the it's saints, just, there has to be another one of them. miracle. One, one miracle. Has okay. To happen. Yep. When you're canonized, there has to be another one. Got it. Uh, and the church has to say, you know, this is, this is not just for the, so the saint I want to talk about today, the blessed, uh, his name is blessed. I'm going to pronounce his name wrong. Carlo Acutis or Acutis. I think it's Acutis. So he was a, Father Sean inspired us today to this, at least me. Father Sean said he's the first blessed of the of uh, generation Z, which I don't know if that's true. I don't know when the generation lines come I don't off. know if those work. But he lived from, he was born on the 3rd of May in 1991, and he died on October 12th, 2006, when he was 15.
1: Whoa. Okay.
0: Here's the thing. So I think one of the reasons this is important is when you and I think of saints, we think of really boring people from the Middle Ages. Yep. Right. And this kid who died in 2006 was, uh, he's someone that can speak to young people today. His favorite thing like to do was video games. Love it. Which Dr. Leonard do- Sachs do- would not.
1: <laughs> he is. Um,
0: and I'm sure he did it in moderation. Dr. Sachs said do it in
1: moderation. That's right. 45 minutes a day.
0: Yeah. There you go. So you love video games. um, but his parents weren't really practicing Catholics. At least they weren't strong Catholics.
1: Where, where did he live?
0: So he was born in London, but then they moved back to Italy and to Milan, I believe. Okay. Uh, and yeah, in Milan. And this is all a very credible source from Wikipedia. I love it. Because I don't know the saints that well. But it's helpful. So apparently after he, when he was a little boy, his grandmother died. She appeared to him and asked for him to pray for her which is about purgatory, right? Yep. Um, but that affected him and the rest of his life, like, it's you know, uh, Dietrich von Hildebrand was a little bit this way where his parents weren't very religious. And all of a sudden they've got this kid who's like super religious. Yeah. And it's like, where did that come from? Um, but anyway, so what, what Carlo Acutis was known for is he had a passionate, as a young kid, devotion to Jesus in the Eucharist. And he actually developed a website that cataloged all the Eucharistic miracles across the world.
1: Whoa.
2: Uh, super cool, right? He died of leukemia at age 15, um, hmm. but was known, right? He's, he's
0: spreading all of this kind of devotion to Jesus in the Eucharist. And just as a little kid, right? He lived a life um, of love and faith and hope. And one quote from him, When he developed his leukemia, uh, he offered his suffering for Pope Benedict the 16th, my guy. Wow. Um, and for the church. And he said, I offer to the Lord the
2: suffering that I will have to undergo for the Pope and for the church. Now, how many adults do you know that are that
0: kind of heroic when they're really suffering? That's right. It's like, Hey, I know I'm going to suffer. I'm probably going to die.
2: I'm going to offer this up for the Holy Father and for the good of the Church. Yeah. I, I mean, so I would. Ten. I just, I'm. I would like to think
0: I'm a better man than I am, but that's impressive.
2: Okay, so the, the saints, though,
0: the saints help us. They inspire us. They they say to us, "Yes, you can." They help us to live a, a kind of a heroic life. So I'm going to pause there because I've got a lot of kind of ground I would like to talk about today, but I want to not just talk the whole time. So.
1: So here's, <clears throat> I think it's, I'm going to just be candid. Um, I think it's a beautiful story. I think it's, it's awesome and it's inspiring and yep. it's great. I think I struggle with, you know, I was really hyped on uh, Frasati when yeah. I first started to learn about him. Yeah. And then he died at, he was like, what, 22? I think he's 24. Like so I think sometimes though I, I'm kind of like, oh man, it, 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 someone so young. Again, I think it's super inspiring, but initially my red flags kind of go up of like, yeah, I mean, what? What he didn't really have much time to do a lot of like bad things, right? You know, like it is inspiring, but I'm also like, okay, I'm sure you could probably look at a lot of kids at Lords at daily mass and be like, man, they love the Eucharist, like yeah. it's it's really rad. And so, but I think it that's what kind of requires learning more about him and yeah. and hearing those stories. But I often like. I remember when I first found out for Saudi, I was kind of disappointed. I was like, man, I wanted him to be like 40. Like, <laughs> right? just like has gone through yeah. life, experienced a lot of the tests, you know, up until, I mean, my child was kind of nasty, but I think most kids can get up to about 16 before they really are like faced with a lot of like adversity. Trials, yeah. Um, you know, and fortunately, I mean, not a lot of kids will have dealt with death and this and that, but I, I totally, I think that's my... Preface to saying like I need to, not I need to get past that and just actually learn the story. it's mean, so funny
0: is I would have thought the opposite. Really? Yeah, because I think most people when they think of saints, they think of some grandma. Yeah. Who's like every <laughs> saint? Like they're they're only good because they're old people. Totally. And so I I think for a lot of people actually I think the young saints are really refreshing.
1: I can see that. And uh, Pierre
0: Giorgio, I mean, he's so inspiring for so many people because. I think that the stereotype of the saints, and this isn't the topic I want to hit on today with this, but the stereotype of the saints is they're really boring. Yeah. They're they're the kind of people who would never get a date.
1: That's right. You know? Yeah.
0: And I think why Pierre Giorgio is a really compelling figure for so many people is that he is this attractive, mountaineering, That's right. kind of, athletic. not kind of like like a rich, athletic, good looking guy who loved God more than anything.
1: Yeah. That is awesome. I think I, and I've joked with you too. I think the, uh, the other thing about saints for me is like when you, when you think about like mother Teresa, yep. Right. And you always hear just like these crazy stories, this and that. Like, I also want the, you know, behind the scenes, were you always perfect or did you wake up really grumpy most days? Like, what was your like real attitude? Like, because I think that's the other part about the saints is they get so glorified, and they're like, "Oh, they suffered, they did all this kind of stuff." But like, it almost makes it for me unrelatable from the standpoint of like, "Yep, dude, I I was in traffic today and was cussing like crazy." You yep. know, like I was. So okay, I don't have. Mother, a Mother
0: Teresa did that every day. That's and th-
1: there was <laughs> there's kidding. a podcast out there though, uh, that was, and I only listened to the first couple episodes. It's kind of fascinating, but it was about the sisters that left Mother Teresa's order.
0: Yeah, you tell me about And that, I don't so. know, and,
1: I, and I'm not going to vouch for it. I, I still haven't listened to the whole thing. And, and it's kind of like I was joking with Seb today, like when kids transfer in football, um, and when, people, when you leave something, it's kind of like, okay, is it you or them? It's probably somewhere in between. Yep. But So you have to take that with a grain of salt. But there was like cool stories of like, man, they had like, yeah, she could be grumpy. You know, like, that's important. Which is human.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's, that's part of the point, right? Is it saints lose their power to inspire us when they become something that's not
1: human. That's right.
0: And so I totally agree with you. And I I think most most of us who have thought deeply about the saints, we would all agree with that. Is that what what makes the saints so great is that they're they're people just like you and me, but they chose even with their faults and they're wrong about things, right? Saints aren't always right about things. That's not the point. The point is that they say to us, the world always whispers to us, you can't be a saint. You can't be holy. You can't really be close to God. It's too hard. It's, it's God's expectations are unrealistic. It's too much. And the saints whisper to us, yes, you can.
1: Yeah. You can, you can do it.
0: Um, But I want to talk about specifically, not just about the saints, but about the communion of saints. I think this is, this for me is a big point. So, so many of you, uh, both Catholics and Protestants, I think we miss some of what this, this dogma of the church is about. And the, the first thing we jump to is intercession. Which is yeah. like, okay, if God's all powerful, if Jesus is God himself, he loves me more than anything, right? Why, why would I talk to anybody else? Yeah. And we'll get to that. But first, what I want to do, that that's a good question. It's an important question. But first, I want to just set the context. And the first thing I want to talk about
2: is isolation.
1: Hmm. I didn't see that coming.
2: Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm tricky like that.
1: Yeah. That was nice.
2: Yeah. I'm tricky like that. Um, so today, right? Right. Patrick, like today in the world, we're pretty isolated from each other.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Right. I mean, what did, what did Dr. Sachs say about this? Did he talk about that on social media stuff?
1: Um, he sort of, I wouldn't say it was like explicit. Um, but I th- he definitely touches on, and I, I think this is where you're going with it, of the facade of social media. Yeah. like You feel connected, you get 89 likes on something, and you're like, oh, I'm loved or I'm not loved. Yep. And it's always like all the images are the best image possible, filtered, all the above. But yet, everybody is so alone and isolated and depressed yep. when really, on paper, the concept of social media and being connected is the name of the game.
0: Love it. This is what I want to talk about. Yeah. That reminded me when you said that, the perfect photos. That's like my photo up in the office.
1: My- you're, you're like yearbook <laughs> photo down there. Yeah. Like, yeah. Perfectly like brushed up skin. Yeah. I know exactly which one you're talking yeah. about.
0: Hashtag Dan Bettinger. who's great. He's a great photographer here in Denver. That's right. And so he, I think it's Bettinger or Bettinger. I think he pronounces it Bettinger. But he, um, he came in right when I was pastor at Lords, they did my Like professional new pastor photo, you know. It's like senior pictures. That's it. And they asked me, they said, Hey, do you want us to kind of like, you know, put a little glow on it, you know? Like airbrush your teeth, like make your teeth a little whiter. Oh yeah. Because I drink, you know, eight cups of coffee a day. Um and I was like, No, I don't want that. Well, they did it anyway. Oh yeah. And I'm like, I look at myself in that picture. I'm like, man, that's a good looking guy. I'm like, I wish I looked that good.
1: <laughs> it's a straight up headshot for Hollywood. Oh, like, yeah, you can submit that.
0: I totally, I'm like, man, I'd be nice if I looked like that. That's I right. Just don't, but I just don't.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and they, and they, then they whiten my teeth in it. Mm-hmm. and like, I've got this nice like tan. I'm oh, like, yeah. man,
1: that is Great not, complexion.
0: Yeah. I'm like, that's I, not Irish skin, but whatever it is, I, that's nice.
1: I had to do that for, the side, I had to do that for uh, my previous job, commercial real estate. And I had a chipped tooth. And I was ah. like, I like it was my front tooth on the picture day and I like couldn't get it fixed. Yeah. So they totally altered it. My teeth look phenomenal in my photo. <laughs>
0: yeah. Hey, they still look phenomenal. I just want <laughs> to you. say
1: my tooth got fixed, but yeah. um, yeah, okay. But so anyway, so totally, we're off track, but here's everyone here, everyone can relate to that though. Everyone can
0: relate to, yeah. to, to this. And I think the biggest point is simply this. And the, this is where if we're gonna understand the church's dogma about the communion of saints. You have to understand the great story of humanity and of scripture. And here's the thing you don't even have to know scripture to know this. The, one of the most
2: painful things about human reality is that all of us feel alone. Mm-hmm. And we experience that in different ways, in different degrees,
0: and because of different causes in our life. Um, but we all feel it. Yeah. The best marriages in the world. One of the greatest things you're going to suffer from, and even in a very, very good marriage is a sense of isolation. Yeah. And that's, that's really hard. And and of course, priests, the grass is always greener. We, I always tend to think, as I've said a million times that, that um, with celibacy or the, the greatest difficulty of celibacy is not sexuality. It's, it's intimacy. Right and it's a sense that you belong to someone else and priests have to wrestle with the the fact that you're you're not going to belong to someone in the
2: same way that a married person that's gotcha. right and that's that's a real cross in celibacy but uh the
0: most popular people i know like i think of like my good friend father john Nepple. uh father john is Everyone loves Father John, but I know he feels
2: this.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, people like uh, uh, Dr. Tim Gray, uh, a lot of people we can, and Christophanic, people who everyone loves them, they feel this. And so, so, isolation, right? I mean, this is a big deal. I mean, do you think there's anybody out there who doesn't
1: kind no. of get that? No. No. The note I, right when you said that, I was like, the other thing I think that shows up with isolation, is and i don't know if this is a stretch or not but like the fear of missing out like how often it's um i don't know if that's maybe because that's something recent for me but i know like when everything i'm like man steph and i are clicking i'm so happy john is perfect this and that and even when those things are going so great yeah like you said it just a minute ago the grass is always greener and you still find yourself in this isolated like oh i wanted to be there and now i'm not and it's like you're you're never fully like content yeah and I feel like I feel most people can relate to that.
0: Yeah, I th- I think everybody can, and I think and so the so the Catholic dogma has everything to do with this. It has everything to do with this. And if you really want to understand the community of saints and what the saints are about, the saints are not just like superheroes. Who's like, oh, you
1: lost something? Got your guy. <laughs> I was hey time <laughs> yeah. off. I was driving the other day, and I needed to go downtown for my eye doctor appointment, and I was like. Hey, I swear this happened. I was like, okay, I know there's a saint that I'm supposed to pray to for a parking spot. Don't know your name. <laughs> hey man, can you help your boy out right now? Like yeah. I'm late to my appointment, but I still don't know who it was. But I was like, I know there's a patron saint of parking spots and I forget who it is. Hey, can you help me out? It was awesome.
0: Is there really a saint for parking I'm spots? I'm
1: pretty sure you can say a prayer. Oh man, now I got to dig this up. There's someone you can pray to that like helps you with parking.
0: So <laughs> you're ruining my point. This is exactly what the community of saints is not. <laughs> And like we we have this because certain, you know, like Carlo Acuti is like there's a certain truth, you know. It's like you'll have like um uh Saint Lawrence is the patron saint of comedians. Do you know why? No. So St. Lawrence, deacon in the early church, uh, and they um the Romans which were they had a financial crisis. they tried to get the church to give all its money to to the empire, and Saint Lawrence was the treasurer. For the Church of Rome, and he's he's a deacon. He works with the Pope. And what happened is they captured him, and they said, "You have three days to gather the riches of the church." So he brought back the poor, the destitute, the lame, and he said, "These are the treasures of the church." The Romans didn't think that was very funny, <laughs> so they threw him on a grill. Oh, and they they burned him alive, and they grilled him, and it's supposedly that the reason he's the patron saint of comedians is because as he's being burned alive he apparently turned to his Roman torturers and said, I'm done on this side. You can turn me over.
1: Nice. Well
0: So, so we, we do this because it's like, we, we naturally relate to people who have gone through things that we've gone through. Yeah. St. John Vianney is the patron saint of parish priests because he was a parish priest. Got it. St. Carlo or Blessed Carlo Coutis. I don't know what he's the patron saint of. I don't know if he is yet. I don't know if you do that one as a blessed. But he loved, he loved working on the internet and he liked video games. And so probably if he's canonized, it'll be something to do with that.
1: Which I think, which to that point, I think is awesome because what you had said earlier, otherwise it's like, that was what was so hard about trying to find my confirmation saint. Yeah. I was like, dude, I didn't enter the priesthood at six. I didn't join a monastery. I didn't, <laughs> like I really struggled with trying to find someone that I could re- like truly relate to. There was people I aspired and I, I loved their story. Yeah. But, but it was hard to be like, who's someone in their thirties that came to Christ that had a crazy background? Like, that is really I now it makes more sense too of like that is the reality we live in today more so than some of the stories from way back yeah. when.
0: Well it's in. yeah, totally. And so the Saints, the Saints are not superheroes who it's like it's the caricature would be like um like old phone books before the internet, you know? And you're like, oh man, like, you know, my my windows aren't sealed perfectly got who's who do I call for that? That's right. You know, yeah. and you're and you're looking up like who's oh crap. And then you pray to the wrong saint and God's like, uh, sorry. <laughs> Prayer is totally canceled. Yeah. You got the wrong guy.
1: You prayed you to know? who's the uh the garden one out in your uh, backyard. I always forget the name yeah. of the saint. You prayed to him on accident. Well, your garden's gonna look great, but not yeah. helping me with that parking spot. Exactly. <laughs> Fantastic.
0: So here's so here's the greater context. So the is going all the way back to the very beginning of the Bible. And this is, I think, and not to pick on you Protestants out there, but maybe just a little bit. I love you, but here's where I want to pick on you just a little bit. Um, Protestants have, tend to have, not all of them, tend to have this me and God mentality towards Christianity. Yep. And it's just me and God. And that's what Christianity is about. It's about my soul. It's about my salvation. It's about what I need. And so they can't understand the communion of saints because Christianity is about them and God. The problem is that you miss the entire story of scripture and you actually open up a critique of the modern world, right? A lot of the modern world will critique Christians and they'll say, these Christians don't care about other people.
2: They're going to heaven, but they don't, I don't see them caring about anybody else. Right. Um, Which oftentimes is false, but
0: so Christianity is about God. It's about your relationship to him for sure, but it's about so much more. And so all the way back in the beginning, here's the basic point I want to make is that sin separates us from God,
2: but it doesn't just separate us from God. It separates us from each other. Yeah. And so Adam and Eve, the first sin
0: in Genesis chapter three, what happens after they sin in regard to Adam and Eve, In relationship to each other.
1: They could see each other?
0: Well, they know they're naked. Yeah. But there's more. What else happens?
1: Uh, I don't know. So they... Well, you go to it.
0: Yeah, they they start to blame each other.
1: Hmm. That's right. Okay.
0: Right? They start to blame each other. And uh, they look for someone else to blame. So Adam blames Eve. God says, did you eat of the fruit of the tree, which I forbid you to eat from? And Adam says the woman you gave to me, she handed me the fruit and so I ate. That's right. And she turns and she says, well, it was a serpent. Um, and what happens, and again, you can see this in Genesis, but you can see this in our own lives, is that sin divides us from each other. And I actually don't think you can understand the community of saints. You can't, and you can't understand why the church matters. If you don't first understand that the
2: division we have, from each other is a massive problem. Um, so one more example of this, I mean, today, right? We, I mean, we could do the examples of the modern world, but,
0: but the breakdown of communion and gosh, there's so many ways we could go with this. The central mystery of Christianity is communion because God is a communion,
2: right? God is yeah. three persons, one God in a perfect, communion, perfect love.
0: And so the, the church would tend to say, you know, when you read Genesis 1, 26 and 27, and God says, let us make man in our image after our likeness, there's a lot of things that
2: means. But one of the things it means is that this is why every song on the radio is somehow about love. It's because you and I are made for communion. We want to be in union with one another.
0: Right, we want that more than anything. This is why. Why, um, for instance, marriage, which marriage really is the most intimate union you can have with another being on this planet. Marriage is something we all desire so much, and when it goes wrong, it's the most painful wound people have.
1: That's right. Yep.
0: Right. And so, so union we all desire. The the breakdown of union or communion with others destroys lives and it hurts people more than anything. And if you can start thinking about this in this way, you're going to understand why the church thinks the way it does about the community of saints. So let me pause. I'm going a lot.
1: No, I'm, I mean, I'm curious to see where this goes. <laughs> I think it's a powerful point of sin is the ultimate um, separator. And I could see that in, in my own relationship. Like if, if Steph and I, when we have a disconnect, I mean, it probably results in one of us going to confession, like yeah. whatever it is, there is something to acknowledge in that sense. And it's pretty fascinating to think about Adam and Eve and the blame game that happens, um, when you're not in union with Christ or each other. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So the church, uh, the church would say, right. That, um, uh, the, sorry, I'm looking at a document here as the, uh, Adam and Eve, before they sinned, they had
0: a perfect relationship. It's one where they, there's, no, there's no sense of jealousy. There's no domineering. There's no lust. Yeah. There's a perfect loving friendship between Adam and Eve. And as sin enters the world, it causes disunion. Now, it's not 100%, right? Adam and Eve, after the fall, they're not like, it doesn't say, you know, okay, Eve, you go to the West, I'll go to the East. That's right. I hope you die first. Yes. Yeah. It, it doesn't, it doesn't say that like they, they go together. So the union isn't a hundred percent broken, but, but they are divided and Bastard. you can see that. And so there's the, the point I want to get to those is, is this. So if you're a scripture person, if you're a Protestant or if you have Protestant friends or you're Catholic, you're just someone who knows the story of scripture as we all should. Here's what happens. Genesis doesn't just tell us, it shows us that sin leads to fraction. It leads to schism. It leads to things falling apart. And so the, <clears throat> when you really study Genesis closely, right after Adam and Eve fall, right in the next section, Cain kills his brother. Mm. Cain kills Abel. And what happens is you, have, you start to have this, the sin spreads rapidly and you have division. And the narrative of Genesis the first section at least, culminates in all this brokenness, it culminates in one place. And the place it culminates is the Tower of Babel. And there's a lot we could go into there, but the Tower of Babel is in rebellion against God.
2: Hmm.
0: And what happens at Babel, right, is the languages, God changes the languages. He confuses them. And this is a consequence not of God's decision, but of the sin of these people. And they're all scattered. So you might, do you know what the, what's the opposite of Babel? I always ask these hard questions, but what's the opposite of Babel? When is there a time when all the languages come together? Tongues? It is. <laughs> is it?
1: In I, tongues. I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what that. When, is.
0: when are there tongues of fire?
1: Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, oh, I don't know.
2: So the, the the opposite of Babel is Pentecost,
0: mm. in Luke chapter, or sorry, Acts chapter one.
1: You didn't give me time to finish.
0: I I knew you were going there. <laughs> I just right. wanted to throw
1: you a little like At least a little I got encouragement. Tongues.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's right. And so the so when it, in um uh, in Acts chapter one, when tongues, by the way, when the tongues of fire fall in the early church, I could go off on a big tangent on this. I can try not to, but when the when the tongues of fire fall, the word for tongues, glossa. In uh, Greek, it can mean like the shape of a tongue as we think of it, but it also means language. Hmm. And there's a long history of like the church thinking of it more as language instead of like a just, you know, we see all these paintings where it's just like a little tongue of fire. Yeah. Uh, I think of it as language as fire are following on the apostles and what happens, right? And so at, at Babel, there's disunity. and this And this is the big point I wanted to get to, to today is that, God's redemption of the world is not just reconciling my relationship to him. It's also that sin divides humanity.
1: Whoa. Brother hates brother. You see where I'm going with this? Wow. Okay.
0: And so sin divides, not just us from God and too long. And, and Alicia is one of my, she's become a friend and I love her. She's like a daughter. Uh, This is what people sometimes they miss this context and they think of the saints as like, Oh crap, my plumbing's not working. Who's the patron saint of plumbing?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And and Protestants, they caricature it that way sometimes. I don't know that Alicia is, but they caricature it and they say, Hey, you've got a God who's all powerful who died for you. You know you can put him.
2: Right. <laughs> right? Totally. It's like yeah. he
0: and he actually cares. Yeah. And you don't have to like go through somebody else. That's the caricature. To really understand this, so I want to read here. So Pentecost. When God redeems the world, he doesn't just let you go to heaven. He's making things as they should be. And so the communion, right, is what all of us want. And the church's point is the communion with God, first and foremost, creates the communion of the church, which is the communion of saints. Mm. And the church is not just those of us who are alive right now. So St. Catherine of Siena is not just a historical figure who did some cool stuff And it's like, oh my gosh, look at those superpowers.
2: Right, right. St.
0: Catherine of Siena is my sister. And she loves me and I know she does. And I can't wait to meet her in heaven. Yeah. Right? Uh, Communion is what we all want. And when we love God, all of us who love God, it creates a family. And if you understand this, this this is one of the major differences between Catholics and Protestants. This kind of spirit touches a whole bunch of things but I want to read from Ephesians chapter two. So Ephesians two. So, Oh, there's so much I could go off on here. Ephesians was written by Paul. A lot of 19th and 20th century scripture scholars, they went after Ephesians. They said it wasn't really written by Paul and they came up with all these kind of different arguments. They said it had to be somebody else. And I love this anti-right Wright, who is not Catholic. He's an Anglican. anti Wright, uh, he says, let's just be honest. And in, I think it's in his book on justification. He says, the reason why these scripture scholars denied that Paul wrote Ephesians is not because of any of the reasons they say. It's because Ephesians is all about the church Ooh. and Protestants don't like that. Yeah. And so they had to find a way to make it less important than Romans and Galatians. And so they said, well, you know, it's not really Paul. It's, it's, it's a pseudo Pauline author who's writing later. Wow. But Ephesians is all about the church. So here's, here's the, the, the quote. So this is Ephesians
2: 2.12. And just given what we've already talked about today, St. Paul says, Remember that at that time uh,
0: that you were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of
2: promise, having no hope and without God in the world. And just hang on a second and just hear that, hear that one more time. I kind of
0: butchered a couple of words there. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel
2: and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. It's Ephesians 2.12. So you're, you were alienated, right? Look at this. This is exactly what we've
0: been talking about. So the Gentiles is who Paul is talking to. And he's saying before Christ came, the problem, and he doesn't even, he says here, yes, you were separated from God, but he says also you were separated from Israel. Yep. Right? Which is, I mean, isn't that amazing? Yeah. I'm going to get my Greek really quick. i want to look at something in the Greek. But does that make sense? Yeah. So, so everybody's separated. So I want to look at that uh, in the Greek here really quick and just see. Uh, are you impressed yet?
1: I'm actually impressed if you guys knew how many books he has. He instantly, I was like, oh boy, how do I fill this gap? You somehow <laughs> just like turned with, like, you didn't even really look back and you just grabbed this book. That was pretty impressive.
0: Well, this one looks,
1: um, I mean, it's not your newest book. That's for sure.
2: It's not my newest book. Um, oh, this is interesting.
0: So the word for the Commonwealth is the is politeia. So polis is a Greek word for city, which is where we get the word um, politics. It's oh, from it's polis. Um, so the politeia is citizenship, commonwealth, or state. So in Ephesians 2.12, that's the word Paul uses. Um, anyway, I was just curious about that. So, But let's keep going with this. So, so that was Ephesians 2.12, verse 13. Paul goes on, he says, but now... In Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near in the blood of Christ.
2: For he is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down the dividing
0: wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law of commandments and ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby bringing the hostility to an end. N.T. Wright comments on this passage. And I think it's again in his book on justification. And he says, one of the things that people get wrong in the Protestant world is that they don't understand that what the cross did, yes, it, it, it fixed our alienation from God, but it also fixed our alienation from each other.
1: Whoa, that's crazy. Yeah.
0: And if you get that, you're going to understand the community of saints because Christianity isn't about me and Jesus. It's prime. It's first about me and Jesus. And because of me and Jesus, it's about me with all of those who are a member of his body, which is what St. Paul calls and the you. church.
1: Oh, that's crazy. Okay.
0: Isn't that cool stuff? Yeah. Yeah. And, and we've got to break out of this mindset of, People tend to think of the saints, and if you're from a Protestant background, we think of it as a zero-sum game. And what, what a zero-sum game means, right, is that not both of us can win. Yep. That's what it means. It yeah. means that if I win, you lose, and if you win, I lose. And so people think, if I go to, if I pray to St. Therese, who I don't often, I get made fun of this all the time, because Saint Therese, I don't get St. Therese, she's not, I love her, she's my sister, she's an amazing saint. For some reason, she just doesn't speak to me as powerfully as some other saints. Totally. But if I pray to St. Therese, people say, well, Therese can't get that prayer, and God, it's a zero-sum game. That's not true from a Catholic mindset. Right. In a Catholic mindset, when the church grows, when we love each other, and of course, there are proper boundaries to this. You can't, we don't worship the saints, blah, 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 blah. Jesus is the center of everything, and any Catholic who doesn't know that doesn't know jack squat about Catholicism.
2: But the Protestant mistake is to think that my communion with other Christians and
0: people who love God, the Protestant mistake is to think that somehow that's in competition
2: with my communion with God himself.
1: Oh, it's powerful. I think as, as you were saying that, when we say that there's like a patron saint, um, of those things. Like, I love the, I love the thought process of like getting back in communion with some of these humans that have lived phenomenal lives. Yep. But when we say like, you know, now I'm, I joked about it, but I was like, I, I think I was maybe raised on it. Maybe my mom brought it up. I don't know. The parking saint, whoever that is. Yeah. In a way, aren't saint you Do- of...
0: Saint Dominator. That... <laughs> Which apparently is an actual saint.
1: I love it. So any, like even the garden one, like, can you, run a danger of kind of making them a false god. Of course, in a sense, if you're praying to them for a specific thing, I I think I'm starting to realize that as I'm going through this podcast of like, you know, you can pray to someone who like, can speak to that part of that, like that was their life story, but like to pray for your own life to benefit from that kind of seems like a, a god in a sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can you can abuse anything, right? Yeah, this is this is a problem. People oftentimes take the abuse of something to disprove its rightful use. Totally, okay. And that, that just doesn't work. Like, right. You you can this is like this is like my friends who say all of medicine is corrupt because I had this doctor and he did bad stuff. Right. No one says that. It's like, look, you can't the abuse of something does not disprove its proper use. So, you, but you can go to a saint for a specific reason, and part of what this develops out of is in the ancient world, you have what are called patrons. Yeah. And that's where we get patron saints from. Uh, but patrons were like these wealthy Romans. And part of their kind of honor in the Roman world was that they would help out the poor and those of kind of the lower classes. Got it. And the, the Christians baptized that idea. They, they took that idea and they said, the saints, they love God, but they also love their fellow men and women. And so they, there's a certain thing where they, they might be so, someone who understands this issue and cares about it. Um, and so, uh, I'm, I'm not part of that club. That's the encyclopedia of saints. So I'm having a hard time thinking of of some of them right now, but, right. um, but like St. Augustine would be a good one. So St. St. Augustine, you talk about saints in their thirties who struggled That's St. Augustine. Yeah. So Augustine, uh, it's oftentimes misunderstood. People think he was just this like, uh, kind of like playboy going around sleeping around with everybody. He wasn't really that. Augustine was in love with a woman. His parents wouldn't let him marry and they lived together. They had a child together. Uh, and Augustine wanted to marry her very bad, but his parents were like, this is bad for your future. and they wouldn't let him, but Augustine had major problems and he did. He did have a problem with lust. And he had he had problems understanding things about the faith. And he wrestled like crazy. And so in a certain sense, Augustine's a great patron for those who are
1: struggling because he's been there. Totally. I think Steph had someone reach out um, and ask us to do like a novena yep. for um, her to find a significant other. Uh-huh. And I think... As you're saying that's what I'm starting to realize too, like, and I think you've said that before, like, and especially in the process of like, Hey, we pray for me, that type of thing. Yep. And it's the same with the saint. like when yeah, that's kind of our counterback of like, yep. we, you can ask a saint to pray for you. Um,
0: yeah. If I can ask my next door neighbor, who's a Christian to pray for me, why can't I ask St. Teresa of Lisieux? That's right. Who like had miracles in her life and is in heaven. That's like, right. Why can't I ask her to pray for me?
1: And when I think of like the patron saints now, like I I would go to specific people that are living. If I was like, "Hey, will you pray for me?" because I know you've struggled with this, or I know yeah. you've conquered this. Yep. But I would not go to other people because I'm like, well, it doesn't really. Re- I don't know. I wouldn't relate to them if someone asked me yep. to do something where it was like, pray for me for I don't know something crazy that I would never relate to. Yeah, it would be hard for me to jump on the bandwagon of a nine day novena. I'd be like, yeah, I'll do it. But I'm kind of like, why are you asking me? <laughs> I, I, right. I don't struggle, like whatever that is. Yeah. So now I can kind of see though, like they're the right way to use the saints yep. and the patron saint, because it's what they've lived.
0: Yeah, no, that's right on. And I think, I think the biggest point for me is, and this is what I really wanted to hit today. I think we hit it pretty well. But I hope you got this. If you're listening to the podcast today, I hope you understand that the redemption that happened in Christ doesn't just fix our alienation from God. It also heals our alienation from each other. And that's, and so God is not this 21st America individualist. That's who we are. That's not who God is. Right. And this is what, again, not to pick on you too hard, but this is what Protestants very frequently really misunderstand about the Christian message. And they, and they turn it into this like thing that it's like Instagram. It's just a bunch of pictures of you. That's right. And what the new Testament teaches us and what the whole Bible teaches us is that Pentecost undoes Babel and my love for God, which comes first and his love for me, which really comes first. That also, that doesn't just heal my relationship to God. It actually makes Patrick and I's friendship meaningful. It reconciles us to each other as brothers. It changes reality. And that's what the church is. And the church does not just exist on earth. The church is is the communion. And this is like, I love that word. I was thinking about going into this today, but we won't. But I saw that word. That's all I want out of life. Yep. And when you you love someone, even the most intimate of loves, like your love for Steph, your guys' love for each other as a married couple, that love also has embraced me as a good friend. Right. And like, love tends to overflow, it tends to do that. That's why God created the world. God has perfect communion from all. Of eternity. He's a Trinity. He's not missing anything. He's not like, man, this sure is boring up here. That's right. I wish there was like, you know, the Democrats and Republicans, people would pray to us and like, we could like fix stuff. Yeah. That's not why God created the world. The reason God created the world is because love and communion tend to overflow. So, last thing I'll say, and then I'll throw it to you, but the example I usually use
2: is so Protestants will say, well, if God's all powerful and He loves me, why don't we just go to him? Right. And again, I think this misses
0: the point of communion because, because the saints, the communion of saints is not just about, Oh, I need to pray to somebody because I need to get something. That's right. It's not just transactional. It's, it's God healing a fractured and divided universe. And again, and if you read Ephesians four, if we had time for this, this is at mass this week, Ephesians four, St. Paul lists seven unities of the church, seven unities. That number is no mistake, by the way, (laughs) Seven is always intentional. There's seven things that create a unified body of Christ, which is the church. But anyway, um, the, the example, the, the response I always give to this is always the same. My brother, Sean has four kids, little Lucia, who is a pistol and I love her to death. And she, uh, she's the youngest. So she's a little squirt still. And so if they're in the kitchen, right. And Lucia, remember this example? Yep are in the kitchen and the cereal is up on a cabinet, in a cabinet that Lucia can't reach. And everybody's in the kitchen, the whole family. And Lucia says, hey, Clara, who's the
2: oldest, hey, Clara, give me, will you hand me the cereal? Right? My brother is not pissed.
1: That she didn't ask him. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Sean's not like, what, what are you asking Clara for?
0: <laughs> I'm 6'4". four.
1: Yeah. And I'm, I'm your boy, dad.
0: I'm your dad. I bought that
1: cereal. That's right.
0: Like, I'm the one who can reach it easiest. I'm the one who bought it. I'm the one who takes care of you. How dare you ask your sister? My brother's not mad that Claire Jane got asked instead of him. My brother is thrilled that his two daughters love each other. That's right. And guess what? And then to extend the analogy further, the reason that Claire Jane and Lucia are sisters is because they have the same dad and the same mom. Mm-hmm. And it's very similar to that our relationship to each other is because we come from Jesus and we love him and his death created a new people. But as Paul says in Ephesians two, the cross did not just reconcile us to God. It also fixed the division and the hatred that existed among human beings.
1: Oh, wow. I didn't expect it to go this way. Isn't that deep stuff? That is.
0: I think that's a step deeper than the normal thing is just, well, yeah, like, Hey, you. You ask your friend at church to pray for you. Why can't I ask Saint George to pray for me? Right. And that's that's true. That's a good argument. But I think this is this is taking it a deep, a, a level deeper. The, the reality of the redemption in Christ is about communion. It's first of all about communion with God. But that the but communion with other. God creates communion with each that's other. Right. And that's that's why you know in the creed this Sunday every Sunday he'll say, "I believe uh, in the communion of saints." That's right. And I do. Right again, like Saint Isaac Jogues, who's one of my favorite saints, a North American martyr. Saint Isaac Jogues is not just a cool story from the past; he's my brother. He is a priest. When I'm feeling lonely, I can say Isaac Jogues. I know you experienced loneliness in your priesthood. Pray for me.
1: Totally. That's I, when this comes out. I think it's will be the episode after our Halloween discussion. Um. But I think it's giving more and more meaning um, to like All Saints Day right. and like appreciating saints as as your brother, as your sister, the story and the example that they set mm-hmm. and focusing back on that communion. Yep. God, that's, that's a classic point of <laughs> anything in the church. It's like the communion of saints. And you kind of just blow through it, yep. And you're like, "Gosh, what is that?" I don't even know what that means. But sure, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it every Sunday, yeah. But if you start to really understand what that means, I mean, that's a whole new perspective. That when I say that on Sundays now, how can you not like you always say when you're at mass, envisioning yourself at the the foot of the cross, yep. And again, when you're when you're rattling off some of those prayers, and you're just in the you know monotonous, it can, it can become that way. You really start to kind of pick apart each one. It's so fascinating. It's so it's deep. so deep.
0: And the saints, we believe, right? They're because they're in union with God. We actually believe they're present in mass. Yeah, and it's it's amazing what that does. And one, one last quote from me for I see, every every podcast I'm like one more thing. Hey, right. just like every
2: homily. So here's from uh, Pope Benedict. Um, Pope Benedict says, "Faith
0: confers community." vanquishes loneliness, right? Sin isolates us. It makes, yep. it makes us lonely. Faith does the opposite. Faith confers community. It vanquishes loneliness. He who believes is not alone. Not only because he knows there is an ear always open to him, but because he knows too that he has behind him the great community, which comes from the same word of communion, right? of those who in every age have traveled the way he is traveling and have become his brothers and sisters. Pope, everything that I ever say that has any value to it generally comes from Benedict, Balthazar, Origen, Augustine, Aquinas, Patrick, you know, (laughs) but, uh, he goes on. So he's talking about this, right? Like you're not alone. If you're a Christian of faith, like, yeah, of course the primary person is Jesus, but also he's God. And it's wonderful. Also have people who are sinful, who have walked the path you're walking, uh, So he goes on, he says, Augustine, Francis of Assisi, Thomas Aquinas, Vincent de Paul, Maximilian Kolbe are not just important personages of the past. In faith, they live, they speak to us, they understand us as we understand them. That is what I call a mic drop drop. from Pope Benedict.
1: (laughs) I love it. That's powerful stuff. Thank you, Alicia.
0: Alicia Kleeman. She's awesome. She is awesome. Okay. You got anything else? That's it. All right, everybody.
1: Rant at lordsdenver.org. Email us, let us know what to discuss, like us on all platforms so we can continue to get this message out there.
0: Yeah, and we do think that matters. So I just echo Patrick? I encourage you to do that. We love to spread the faith further and get more people to encounter Jesus Christ. It's desperately needed
2: right now in the world. So uh, help us do that. That's right. And we'll see you next time. And we're out.